Let, let's go over here to uh, the book of uh, Mark, chapter 16. I've got several scriptures. Uh, we'll try to uh, get as much in as we can in our time that we have today, this morning, and then we'll be probably ministering as the Lord leads us to the sick and different things that the Lord would show us to do. Some people say, well, Pastor Jacobs, how is it that you seem like you have a lot of angelic ministry around you? Well, first of all, you have to teach about them. Because we don't have faith sometimes because it hadn't been taught or it hadn't been taught properly. And so, therefore, we've got to teach about it. And Mark 16, 20 says, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, that is the disciples, and confirming the word with signs following. So we should expect, and I always do, and I know the angels expect, to work with me when I'm teaching on them. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying here? If we teach the word on something, we'd expect God to endorse that. The pastor just did an excellent job teaching us a little bit about prosperity and getting our thinking right with, well, I just got a little, what would that mean among this need? But it means something when the word is rightly instructed to us, that brings faith to us. And then the action on it will bring the confirmation to it. So we're talking today about angels, though, and we need to understand that, that as we teach on this, faith will come to your hearts. And I know probably there, in a group like this, there's a lot of uh, questions you may have, perhaps. But we'll do our best to answer as many as we teach and, you know, with the Word of God this week and, and give some insight into some things. Now, let's go back over here to Mark chapter 1 a minute. And uh, I'm going to run a little couple things here in our thinking as we start talking about this. In 1983... Uh, I was praying in a church in the back room and they said, when you get ready, pastor, just come on out and come up on the platform and we'll turn the service over to you. And I was back in this room praying in 1983 and I was teaching on the subject of angels like I'm teaching you. I didn't expect this to happen no more than anything. I mean, I had no pre anything this was going to take place. All of a sudden I, I had a vision. It was in a big room. I was just in a little teeny room praying, but all of a sudden I was in a big room, huge room. And uh, this, it just filled up with angels, all, I don't know how many there were, I didn't even try to count. And uh, one of them spoke to me, one of them leaned forward, I was still on my knees in the vision, I was on my knees praying, and he leaned over to me and he said, Michael, we're excited you're teaching about us. And then he said, we, we've desired to be involved in the body of Christ and they won't let us. Now, I didn't catch all that when that was first said to me. I, you know, naturally, it was a dramatic situation for me. I was getting ready to go preach the first lesson, like I am this morning, on this subject in a conference. I was teaching on this subject. It took me a couple of weeks before it dawned on me that the angel had said, We're, we wanted to be involved in the body of Christ, and they won't let us. And I felt the weight of that. And all these years later, what, 83, 93, you know, almost 30 years later now, I'm still feeling the, the implications of that comment. That here was these magnificent creatures talking, one, just one of them talking to me at that point, and, uh, and telling me that they want to be involved with us, and the body of Christ was hindering that. And that put, a, that put a responsibility on me to study this out. I've been studying this subject for about 30 years now. I don't know everything about it, but I do know something. And, of course, I've had a lot of visitations since then. We may talk about that throughout the meetings as the Lord leads me. But my point to you is they desire to be involved in your life more than you've ever dreamed. 
And we don't want to be silly. We don't want to be flippant when we make that comment because some people run off and do, you know, they're not going to change the oil in your truck, guys. They're not going to fill the dishwasher, ladies. That's silly. But at the same time, there are a lot of things, and maybe one of the sessions, Lord willing, I can talk about at least some of the most important things I feel from my study that they do. You know, different things that I feel would be real important to learn that angels do for us and do with us if we understand their ministry. You know, there's about 300 references in the Bible to angels. That's a massive amount of reference. And if you include other uh, terms like host and other things, there'd probably be well over that. But there's a hundred of those 300 references where they appear to a man or a woman in this planet. So this is a significant amount of scripture about visitations, uh, about angels working with us. 300 scriptures, that's a lot to think about. So this is, a, this is, they are a part of our inheritance. Maybe I could say it that way. What I'm going to show you here real briefly, a couple references about Jesus. This got me thinking. I thought, well, you know, everybody says, well, we ought to follow Jesus. Okay, I agree with that. But I found that in his own life, not only did he always have access to the angels continuously, and not everything's written in here that happened to him, you know. But I know two of the most important times in his life when he was under the most pressure was when he was in the wilderness, and I'm going to read you in Mark 1, and when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane over in Luke 22. We're going to go over there in a minute. We're going to read this first. And in both situations, angels came and ministered to him. And I thought, my goodness, if they, you know, I, here's the way I thought before I realized this. I don't know how you think this, just the way I was thinking. If, you know, I was thinking Jesus would have been like this. Well, I don't need you guys. Go help some of those humans. Don't you know who I am? I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. Now, I don't know why I thought like that, but I think a lot of religious people think like that. But that's the furthest from the truth. He embraced their ministry. He accepted their help. He valued their help. He took, in the right way, he took advantage of what they were making available to him. And I began to realize, my goodness, if my Lord and Savior, the head of the church, needed their help and valued their help, man, I need it too. <laughs> of course, this probably revealed to me 20 years ago, but I've never quit thinking about it. You don't have to be in a situation where you're in a temptation to have them. But he, in those two situations, and many other times he quoted things I could call, you know, so many legions. Somebody had beat him, you know, they'd beat him pretty bad before he went to the cross and, and said, don't you know I can have you executed? And he said, you couldn't do nothing if it wasn't given to you of the Father. I have men that are, I have beings that are not of this world that could take, see, but he didn't call upon them because he was becoming our substitute. I'm just pointing out some thinking to us. Now here in Mark chapter 1, let's look at this one verse here, and then we'll go to Luke here. And verse 13, Mark 1, 13. He was there, Jesus was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. Notice that, the angels ministered unto him. One translation said, the angels took care of him. The Amplified translation says, the angels took care of him continually. So these angels, and here's the other thought to get a hold of this. You know, we're not going to turn there, but Philippians 2 says, he emptied himself of his divine privileges and became a man. See, now I'm, I understand that I understand he's virgin born. I understand all that. I'm straight on my theology. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but you've got to let Jesus be a man. If you don't, then everything I'm saying, you just think, well, that, that was Jesus. You know, what about me? Well, you're a man. 
you know, the race of man. And we need to understand that. And so here, now in this case, it doesn't say they appeared to him, but it does say there was more than one and they ministered unto him. Now we're not told how right there. And I, I, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I wanted you to see that angels can come and minister to people. Hallelujah. You know, I was in a meeting about three years ago, I think it was two or three, in Chesapeake, Virginia, and I was in a meeting with uh, uh, some other preachers. Uh, anyway, I was there in a camp meeting, and during the luncheon one day, the preachers all sat together, and I don't know if you would know him, doctor. His name is uh, Jerry McGee. He's an evangelist. He's kind of a biker kind of guy. And he was sitting at the table, and he said, You know, uh, Pastor Jacobs, I have a lot of spine problems with my bones. And I said, well, Jerry, tonight I was preaching that night and I said, how about when I get in the Holy Ghost and anointings on me, I, how about I minister to you? Because we have a lot of success in seeing people healed of scoliosis, all kinds of spinal issues, bone issues and so forth. He said, that'd be fine. Well, I got up and preached that night on angels. I was teaching on angels in this camp meeting and he was sitting back here and he looked like he was really grumpy. I thought maybe I'm just, uh, I'm plowing his field crooked or something. I wasn't sure what was going through his mind. He looked like he was really disturbed at me. And uh, I got done preaching and came to the place where I needed to step out and start ministering. And I said, Brother Jerry, step out here in the aisle. And I, I went to minister to him, laid hands on him. Then I stepped back from him as that anointing went in him for his bones. And when I stepped back, an angel stepped in between us. And he stuck his finger down here in the lower part of his abdomen and was moving something. I said to Jerry, I said... Uh, Brother Jerry, the angel's moving something down there. About that time, he flipped around and ran out the back doors of the meeting. I thought, man, I've really ticked him off now. <laughs> and uh, we were in a Marriott hotel, and right outside the back doors to the left was the men's room. Well, I didn't know where he went, and I just kept on ministering. Well, and about five minutes later, he came back in, and I stopped the service. I said, Jerry, what, what happened to you? And see, I didn't know this part. He said, Pastor Jacobs, you don't realize, said, I have not went to the restroom in three days. I had a kidney stone. And said, you probably noticed I look pretty mean today, tonight. I said, well, I didn't notice you looked like you weren't appreciating what I was saying. <laughs> he said, when you said that, I felt something moving down here. And I went and went to the restroom and that stone came out and I was able to use the restroom, said, I am pain free. And man, we all had a meeting. Maybe you didn't know angels could do that kind of thing. They can do a lot. <laughs> I want to talk to you about that throughout the meeting. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 and verse 43. Here's the other incident about Jesus. And I think it's important that we look at his life and how he responded to them. And he's in another pressure situation here. We're talking about Jesus, of course, where he, the pressure is on him. He knows what's coming, the cross. And in verse 43 of Luke 22, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now, it's interesting here. It says there was one angel, and that this particular incident says he appeared to him. And from heaven, now, I want to help us think straight about when we see the word heaven in the scriptures. Of course, there is a real place called heaven. Of course, I believe that. But there, Paul said he was called up to the third heaven. So sometimes when the word heaven is used, you have to look at the context here. The realm of the spirit exists right alongside of this realm. And an angel could just step right out of the, you know, the, into this natural world and you could see him. And that's what I think happened more than anything. 
and we're going to see other references to this, you know, as we go on in this series. So it doesn't always mean that he came from the planet heaven. It could mean that, but also I'm just pointing out something. And notice this, he strengthened Jesus. Well, you wouldn't think Jesus would need strengthen. I wouldn't in the natural. But see, the word says that the angel strengthened him. Isn't that amazing? The angels came in the other place, didn't say he saw him, but they came and ministered unto him. And here we see an angel coming and uh, strengthening him. Now let's go over here to Daniel chapter 10. I know I'm running you around a little bit, but that's okay. This will help us. We, we're giving some background. And we're going to get over in Hebrews, which is the main foundation to it all. But, he, but Daniel 10 tells us something here real interesting. There's a couple uh, incidents here with uh, Daniel and the angel that came and ministered to him. And maybe this will give us some insight of some ways that angels can come and minister to people. All right, Daniel ten eighteen, Daniel chapter 10, verse 18. Then there came again and touched me, one like the appearance of a man. Now, it didn't say he was a man. It said he looked like a man. And he strengthened me. If you read the whole chapter later when you have time, uh, you'll see that this was angel. And he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. So we see in this passage just that you could get touched by an angel and receive strength, or you could, an angel could speak to you and you could get strength. Now, I was in a meeting down in, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, I don't know how many years ago that was, not long ago, three years maybe, maybe four at the max, I think. And I was staying downtown at this hotel, and I was praying during the day for the meeting. I was teaching on angels. And uh, that's not the only thing I teach on, but a lot of times people ask me to teach on that, or God just, just speaks to me. Pastor Nancy just asked me to come. She was, her and doctor were with us back in November of last year for our camp meeting and uh, they, and she asked me if I'd come and I said I'd like and later as I prayed about it I told her recently I'd like to teach on angels she said that'd be great so Amen. so here we are but I'm 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 in prayer in this hotel room and I have a vision I'm not having a vision all the time the older I get and my office has changed now more in the prophet's ministry and so I I do have a lot more than I used to a little different operation going on with me. But anyway, here's my point. I had this vision. I saw this car accident. I, did, I knew it was a human. I didn't know if it was male or female. Five different areas were affected. A lot of times we operate in word of knowledge. We might have a little, just a little word or something, like somebody's right ankle's messed up. Or, you know, but in this situation, and I was preaching on angels, I stopped, and I'm talking to you about how angels can touch you and strengthen you. So I said, uh, there's somebody here tonight because I had a vision today at the hotel and, and this has been affected, this has been affected, this has been affected, this has been affected. This, I mean, it's so specific, you, you'd have just not had a brain to understand that, you know. And a lady over here lifted her hand. She said, well, she acted shocked. She said, well, well that's me. And said, I've never been to this church before. This my, I'm visitor tonight. I said, well, the Lord must love you a lot. He dealt with me about this accident you had. She said, yeah, that's exactly right. And I said, could I minister to you? I didn't know she was familiar with that. I said, I'm going to lay my hands on you and impart power to heal that. That'd be all right? Yes, sir. She came on up. She's standing a few feet from me. And this lady, I like to say, you know, not meanly, but she was not a Chinese gymnast. She was not a thin lady. She was not a Chinese, you know, how the, some of those Chinese acrobats put their head around and three times around their leg and go... <laughs> That was not the case. 
And so I went, I went to go lay hands on her, and the Lord said, don't do that. Angel, one of the angels tonight's working with you is going to handle this personally. Those 80 people in the congregation, you know, that's when you got <laughs> going to live by faith, huh? Here we go. <laughs> I said, well, the Lord said not to touch you personally. I do have a healing endowment, but he said the angel's going to minister to you personally about it. I said, lift your hands up. Well, she's standing there, and she lifted her hands up. All of a sudden, she started going backwards. She went backwards to the back of her head was below her rear end. I mean, and she didn't fall over. It just looked impossible. You, you just couldn't see how your spine could bend back that far and still and not fall or not hurt you. And then, then she came up slowly, and then the angel turned her one way a lot further than I'm turning and back the other way. And then at the end, she put her hands up, and that angel picked her up. Uh, and to where her feet were like a ballerina's right on her tiptoes. And then he set her down. It all happened within a minute. Eighty people saw it and she was totally healed. That'll straighten your day. <laughs> See, the angel touched her. Sometimes we touch people and the angel starts working on them too. I remember I was in Honduras a few years ago and I had a word about spines and we had a lot of people come, I don't know how many. And uh, this one young lady that I knew, I knew her and her husband, they liked me, they took a liking to me. I used to go to Honduras every year, once a year, maybe 10 years in a row, maybe went a couple of times, a couple of those years. So 10 or 12 times I was there. And they would always have us to their home for, for a lunch. Her husband and her owned a restaurant, he was a cook. So anyway, she got in this prayer line and I went down through there. When I got to her, the Lord said, hit her kind of hard in the head. I went like that, and she just stood there. And I went on down. Some fell, some didn't. Doesn't matter if people fall. It's important that you receive. <laughs> well, the next day, I'm at her house. I didn't get a chance to talk that night. And she said, uh, her name is Miriam Cabrera. I think I may have told this here before, but probably not everybody's heard it. And uh, she said, uh, Pastor Jacob said, here, I want to tell you what happened last night. And her husband's in the kitchen cooking. I said, yeah, I'd like to know what happened. I said, the Lord said, hit you kind of hard. She said, you know, I never felt it. But I did feel electric shock in my neck here. It shot down my spine. I said, what was wrong with you? She said, I fell as a little girl and crushed a vertebrae in my tailbone area. And I said, uh, Miriam, I, said, I normally wouldn't ask a woman this, uh, but how old are you? She said, I'm 41. So I said, now this happened when you're six and that's 35 years? She said, yes, sir. I said, she said, I've been in pain for 35 years. So then I stopped her again. I said, okay, is it... Moderate pain, severe pain, light pain. She said it's intense pain. And said, somehow when you touch me, I didn't feel you touch me in the head, but something went down my spine. And when it got down to this area, I felt a hand beneath that place and a hand above it and jerked me like that. All the pain left me. And we went back for two more years in a row. And I asked her every time. And she said, never another symptom. I have a lady in my church that's a missionary there now, and she's on furlough up with me. She was just back there three or four months ago and ran into Miriam and asked about that event. She said, I've never had another pain. That was in 96 or 97, somewhere in that. Hallelujah. See, we're talking about how this can actually operate. It's not the only thing they could do, but it is some of the things that they do. Are you listening? We were just at the Simons, uh, I guess it was last June, and I, of course I don't even remember this happening. They said I had a word about lungs, and uh, several people came. One lady came, and uh, I laid hands on her, and she fell down, and I kind of tapped her in the foot, and I said, God's given you a new lung. I don't even remember the word, really. But uh, 
Pastor Johnny just called me about three weeks ago or so and said, uh, I want to tell you what happened. That lady that you ministered to in the prayer line, she had just had surgery and had three quarters of one lung removed. And she said, and she just had that done pretty current to when you came, but said she's been back to her doctor for her checkup and he did x-rays and she, he said, I just never seen anything like this. You've got a brand new lung and I'm the one that took it out. Took out three... <laughs> You know, angels can bring parts. We've had that happen a lot in our ministry, parts. But anyway, let's go over here to uh, the book of Hebrews. You still with me? Yeah, we're just, uh, we're not bragging on us. We couldn't heal anything, but we have a healing endowment, and that endowment can work, and we have angels that work with us in the healing ministry. And when that's in operation, the Lord allows a lot of things to be done. Here we are in Hebrews. This is really important. So we found out angels could touch somebody, speak to somebody. And, of course, we know in the Old Testament, one prophet, they brought him some food, some angel food. Amen. And he went in the strength of that 40 days and 40 nights. I don't think there's any GNC store could do that for you. <laughs> what did it consist of? I don't know. I just believe the scriptures. But Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, this is one of our foundation scriptures. To which of the angels said he, this is God speaking and he's saying this to Jesus. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits? Now I want you to look at this closely. Are they, the angels, are they not all ministering spirits? Notice that word there, ministering spirits. Sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Of course, God is saying this, uh, 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 verse 13, to Jesus. And then he switches back talking about angels all through this first chapter. He goes back and forth. And so he's talking about angels in verse 14. And he says they're all ministering spirits sent forth to minister. Now I can see reading that. Back to that vision in 83, why, why there was a, an element of frustration in that angel talking to me. He said, we've desired to be involved. How about if I put this? We've desired to minister in the body of Christ and to the body of Christ and for the body of Christ and they've held us up. Now, he didn't say all that, but I can see where that's coming from. Just from this scripture. You know, when you have a ministry and you don't do that, that's frustration. I've studied this for 30 years. All the angels have a job assignments. They don't even all look alike. Some of them have six wings. Some of them have four faces. Some of them have wings. Some of them don't have wings that have appeared to me. Some of them do. They're not all the same size. They all have different levels of anointing on them, just like humans do in some ways. Not, not identical, but a little bit. They're not like us. They're not that emotional. Hallelujah. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister? I can see as I read that there's a desire for them to minister in areas that they've been assigned to. They've been sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs. And the reason he said who shall be at this point, Jesus is the only one raised from the dead. But all of us came later and we're all heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, aren't we? Doesn't Romans tell us that we're joint heirs with Jesus? Doesn't Galatians 4 said we're joint heirs with Jesus? So we're talking here about these angels have been sent forth to minister for us who are the heirs of salvation. That's me and you. 
Let's read on just a little bit. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, least at any time we should let them slip. I used to jokingly say I didn't have enough to let slip. I mean, I grew up in a Baptist church. We never heard about angels. Nobody ever brought that up. If they did, it just skimmed over. There was no revelation to it. I went to seminary in the 70s, and there was only one book in the bookstore there at seminary, and it wasn't worth much to me, in my opinion. I'm not, you know, an expert, but I, do, I have studied this pretty extensively. I've read over 100 books on angels and only recommend three, and one of them's mine. <laughs> Most of them, I can't get anything out of it that's worth anything. I mean, sometimes it's heady and, you know, scholarly, but it's not accurate sometimes. Ah, praise the Lord. So we ought to give more earnest heed to this thing that we're talking about. He's talking about angels. You know, chapter where it says chapter 2 in your Bible, that wasn't in the original. This was like a continuous letter written to the Hebrews. And then verse 2, For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape, talking to the believers, if we neglect so great a salvation? Now this word salvation, it's not, it's not the same type of concept here as our redemption, but it's saying what are we going, how are we going to escape if we neglect this part of what God has provided for us? Not talking about being born again here. He already assumes we're born again because up in verse 14 he talked about the heirs. But he says, how are we going to neglect, how are we going to escape? And the, the concept is that there's things we won't escape if we neglect this large portion of our inheritance. I had a gentleman in my church, his car got stalled about two years ago on the railroad track. A, a, rail, a car was... Uh, train was coming he able, was able to get out him and his daughter and her girlfriend and they were spared but praise God we need to understand these angels will help us you know I, I think in a, in a setting like this with all the people that's here probably most of you over the age of 15 would probably say pastor I remember a time in my life where I almost something almost drowned almost shot almost car accident almost something, something dramatic you're on this side of it, and it, it looks like there's no way out of this. All of a sudden, you're over here, and you go, man, what happened? Maybe you didn't realize yet, but I'm saying to you, God was moving in your behalf, and the angels were a part of that to deliver you and rescue you. Maybe you weren't believing. Maybe mom was praying. Maybe the preacher was praying. Maybe some intercessor picked you up. Hey, praise God. But it says, don't neglect this. Now listen, I'm not, I do not worship angels. And the Bible forbids us to do that. I am not an angel worshiper, I'm a Jesus worshiper. I'm a Father God worshiper. You know what I'm saying. We don't worship angels. But I, I'm trying to get the balance to this though. This just told us if we neglect this, then we won't escape in some areas. So we need to pay attention. We need to understand a little bit more than we've understood maybe and realize that they want to be involved to help us and protect us. And deliver us from certain things. Hallelujah. Now look, let me read verse 3 and 4 together and then we're going to say a couple of things here. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, those who heard it, both with signs and wonders and different kinds of miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. 
Now, isn't that interesting here that he's talking all through here and he goes back in verse 5 again, talking about angels. He's still talking about angels here. That signs and wonders and certain miracles and some of the gifts of the Spirit or endowments come through, at least in part, the ministering spirits, the angels. You think about Daniel. Do you remember Daniel? You know, Dan, was it Daniel in the lion's den? And, uh, you know, they trumped up charges, threw him down there. And, of course, the king was on Valiums, I think, and he... He was a mess. He was a nervous wreck during the night. And he came to the, the hole in the ground. Hey, Daniel, you still there? I said, yeah, I'm here. And the angel came at night and picked up one of those lines. This is my interpretation. I'm as valid as some people. More valid than most in this. Picked up that, that line, said, now, any of you boys want some of this? Bring it on. If not, simmer down. <laughs> and they all minded Daniel. And they, he said, get up next to me. I'm cold down here in this dirt. And they just ro- rolled over on him, kept him warm all night. That's my interpretation. I think it's pretty solid, really. <laughs> and what did the king say after that? said, there's no God anywhere in any kingdom that can do these kinds of signs and wonders like the God of Daniel. And we get into the New Testament, some in John anyway. You know, it's a, one of the Gospels, really not New Testament, but anyway, still uh, over in John. And it says that the uh, angel came, stirred the water, and whoever first got in was healed of whatever he had. I believe they work with us in the healing ministry. I had a man in my church, he, he uh, God bless his heart, he was up and down, in and out type of person. I know none of you are like that. You're all here all the time, right? Yeah, Hallelujah. It's a good time to say amen, even if you... Okay. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, I look around one day, and he's disappeared again. He's an ex-drug addict, ex-bodybuilder, ex-everything. Been shot, been stabbed, ex-drug dealer like me. You know, he's just wild. And he, he started driving trucks up and down the highway. And uh, I was in a foreign country, and my wife was having dinner with her mother at the time. And all of a sudden, here came Larry. He's, he's in a restaurant, and he's... He's a huge man. I mean, his, his, his arms are bigger than my thighs and stronger than that wood. You could knock on it. It's just, he's just a huge, massive guy. And he's coming over to my wife like this. And he proceeds to tell her, her name's Diana, said, Diana, I fell off my truck, my big rig. He had cars up on the top, and he was up there trying to get in the car that they parked right over the cab in a big 18-wheeler, and he said, I went to step back to move to open the door, and I missed the truck, fell straight down, broke all the bones in both feet, both ankles. I've been in rehab for two years. I, I take some boots of honey kicking medicine. In other words, none of this Tylenol 3. This stuff will put you in the next year. And, he, and he's still walking like this. And he said, I've been, they put screws and pins and bolts and everything. I've got to wear a, a, a little card because I set off all the alarms wherever I go at the airport. And, and my wife said wisely, well, Larry, why don't you come back? We're not mad at you. You know, you know, she referred to me. You know, Michael has an anointing for bones. So, so he showed up. Been gone two years now. He'd been all tore up, messed up, rehab, surgeries, all kinds of stuff. And he's sitting back here one Sunday morning, and the Lord said to me, call him up. I said, Larry, come on up. God's going to take care of that today with your body. Well, he took him a while to get there. He's just wobbling. You know, he's a huge man anyway, and you've got pain in your feet and all the bolts and screws and metal. and Oh, it's just terrible. And he just, like every step's up intensity for him. He's grimacing, you know. And he gets up here, right in this area here, and I laid hands on him. He fell out, and I said, now the angel's going to finish that. And so we, we all just stood there and watched, and after a few seconds, this one leg came up. And 
somebody twisted his foot and jerked it out like that, like he was at a rehab center. And laid that down, then he grabbed the other foot. The angel did, picked it up, turned, twisted his foot. We could all see it that we're in could see up in front, pulled it out like that, laid it back down. He laid there another 30 seconds. He got up and he walked back to his seat like this. <laughs> Glory be to God. And within a few weeks, he was taking a lap. Somebody got in a running mode and took a lap. And he jumped in and took a lap himself. Hallelujah. And then he, I let him give a testimony about a month or two later, and he got up on the platform and jumped up and down like this on his feet to show that he was healed. It was just amazing. See, we're talking about signs and wonders and different kinds of miracles that God does. Now, let's go over here to Colossians a minute. Oh, I think you're listening real good right now. Colossians 1.16, I'd like to look at this, and then I have a few more scriptures to talk to you about. I think it'll be all right on time, don't you? We're, we we want to cover, we're not going to wear you out teaching. I got more scriptures than you got time to sit. <laughs> Let me just say it that way. <laughs> but, uh, but I want to get in us whatever we can so we have a good basis for what I'm teaching. I'm not being smart, I'm just trying to tell you what I'm saying here. Amen. Because it's important that we know, well, the Bible teaches this. You know, I've heard people say, well, if God wants to, he can send an angel. Well, I'm sure he can. He's, he's sovereign into that regard. But for most part, as I found, and we're good into this one of the sessions, that you're more responsible than you've ever thought. You have more authority than you've ever dreamed. I know one thing, we got authority over demons. And evil spirits and fallen angels and things like that. So, and we, we've got authority over the elect angels, the good angels. We'll, we'll see that one, one of the sessions here. But let's look here at this verse, Colossians 1.16. Very important verse to our study. It says, for by him or by Jesus, or we might even say by the word of God, were all things created. A better translation of that, all beings were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Notice there's some beings that are invisible in the earth, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So we're seeing something here that's important to our, our study, and there is an unseen realm, but not an unreal realm. See, there's an unseen realm, but not an unreal realm. And I know we really all believe it because if you don't, then I don't know what to tell you. You, you listen to the weatherman, the meteorologist, and he's telling you it's going to rain Tuesday and you are already got your umbrella by the door or your hat or your coat because you believe in something you haven't seen. It's not a drop come on Monday, but he said it's going to rain on Tuesday, so you're all prepared. Now, you're not going to tell me you have more faith in a meteorologist than you do the Lord Jesus Christ, do you? <laughs> And the Apostle Paul, and <laughs> he says there's an unseen realm, but it's not an unreal realm. I know Pastor Silva, uh, he's another son to Dr. Dufresne. He's pastors in uh, New Mexico, and doctor ministered to him. I've, I, if I got the story right about angels assigned to him in his position civilly, he's a mayor. 
And Pastor Silva asked me, you got any scriptures, Pastor Jacobs? I understand you know something about angels. He asked me that at a breakfast one time. We were both in the same meeting with doctor, and we were in the restaurant at the same time, and he sat and ate with me. And I said, well, let me think about it. And God gave me this verse, and I called him back. And I says, well, right here it says there's principalities. That's just a prince over a municipality. And he'd give a municipality has princes assigned to them, good or bad. And what you've got, you've got angelic help in the mayoral office. He said, but they don't help me in the pastors. Well, they're not assigned to that. That's a different, different thing altogether. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. I didn't drop you off the cliff, did I? Okay, just... But see, there, there's all these different things, different dominions, different levels, different things. But here's what I wanted you to see. There's an invisible realm that's not unreal. It's just unseen. Now, you would have to in order, well, Pastor Jacobs, do I have to see anything? You don't have to see a thing. You have to believe. We need to believe is what we need to do. It's not whether we see something or not. You know, visions come for those that are, God wants to grant that to and in some of the ministry officers, they're more prevalent, like the prophet and maybe, maybe some of the others too. And then other things could, but you'd have to have to vision or a dream at night or discerning of spirits. And if you didn't have one of those three things, you might not ever see an angel. But that doesn't mean you can't receive the benefits of an angel. What I'm teaching is for every believer to understand that there's an unseen realm around you that you cannot see into unless the Lord grants that, but that doesn't mean it's unreal. You know, I used to be a drug addict, and I, I mean, not a drug user, a drug addict. And I know, what, I know that other realm over there is darkness, and there's different spirits over there in that realm that are evil. And they try to enforce their authority on you and things like that. How many are listening? So what I'm talking about is the angels of God that are sent to help us and to minister to us and minister for us. Remember, we read that back in Hebrews. They not only minister to us, they minister for us. Now, give me just a few more minutes. Let's, look, let's go back to Genesis 28. I, this is important revelation we're talking about right here. And this will help us if we take just a few minutes and look at a few scriptures about the fact that angels are in the earth. I... Uh, was ministering a few years ago now. I guess that young lady's about 33. She was with me. She was about 18. Just got married to a guy in my church. And I was up preaching. I don't remember what I was preaching on, but I saw her in the congregation. Sometimes when I see somebody, the Lord draws me to them. And I, I, I mean, I don't know what, what it is, but I'll go call them out. <laughs> I called out a lady in the in a church a while back, and I said, and I, had, I said, would you come up here a minute? And I said, and then I said to her, it got kind of funny for a minute. I said, do you know why I got you up here? She said, no. I said, I don't either. <laughs> I said, but we're going to figure it out. <laughs> and so I said, lift up your hand. She's about uh, probably about uh, 20 years old. This, I'm going to get back to my original girl in my church in a minute. But anyway, so she lifted her hands up and when I laid hands on her, I, I discerned this evil spirit. And I said, come out in the name of Jesus. But she was facing me. so she was, and, that, and I saw this spirit come out under her armpit flew right through that wall over there. So I didn't say anything. I, I said, uh, and then that thing left, and I said, uh, you tell me what happened. She said, well, it's the oddest thing. Something flew out of my armpit. I said, yeah, you just got delivered, honey. See, she confirmed what I saw. But anyway, this other young lady, I, I brought her up to minister to her. I just laid hands on her. I, I, didn't, I don't even remember what I said. 
And I, I called some other people out, and I was on down, you know, went on down this way and called other people, and they were coming. And the Lord said, turn around. I turned around, I was about 15 feet from her. And this lady was standing with, facing the altar here, and this angel was pulling something out of her stomach. I thought, man, that's odd. Well, I, you know, people are already confused. We don't need to confuse them. So I, I don't tell people everything I see, and, and it's not necessary. And I wasn't sure, but I knew what I saw, but I wasn't going to say anything public. I didn't feel led to. And so I got home, and I tell my wife we were having a bite to eat. I said, you know, so-and-so, I saw something, the angel pulling something out of her stomach area here. And my daughter was there sitting eating with us. She started uh, bursting into tears. She said, well, she struggles with uh, anorexia and bulimia. I said, really? I didn't know that. She said, I thought you knew that, Dad. I said, no, I didn't know that. So I got on the phone right away. I said, so-and-so, this pastor, I said, I want to tell you what I saw. And then I told her what I saw. And then she burst into tears. Now she's 33 and normal. You know, sometimes the devil gets a hold of people and, and uh, you know, they got to think they got to be in a certain size something to be valued, to be normal. I don't know. Girls struggle with that more than guys, I think, but I don't know. Anyway, just talking. But she got delivered, and I didn't really pray deliverance over her, but that angel working with me that night was pulling something out of her stomach like that. I don't know what it was. It just looked like something. I don't know what to call it. And she got delivered that night. She's never been harassed by that since. That's 15 years ago. (laughs) Hey, hallelujah. See, we're talking about how angels can help us. Hallelujah. Here are Genesis 28. Look at this, verse 12. You know Jacob's ladder. Hallelujah. It says here, uh, verse 12, Genesis 28, 12. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Now, you know, I read that for years, and I thought I understood that, and then all of a sudden I realized this says, you know, somehow in my head I thought God threw a rope ladder out of heaven, like opened a cloud up and threw a ladder down like in a, you know, a pirate movie or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I read this one day and the Lord said, you're not thinking right. Read this again. I said, he dreamed, behold, a ladder set up on the earth. Oh, it was down here. And it was set up to go into heaven. And keep reading. And the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God ascending which is going up and then descending, coming back. See, I had it in my thinking. I was thinking, well, they all live up there and they come down and visit and then they go back. But that's not what that says. These angels were already here on this planet and they went up and they came back down because this is where they lived. I've got a son in Mexico and occasionally he comes up and visits me, but he goes back down where he lives because that's where he lives got a son in texas he comes up to indiana but he doesn't stay up there because he lives in texas he goes back down there well you know and then what's amazing about this passage is look at verse 17 he said uh, he was afraid naturally and said how dreadful really the word there is awesome is this place this is none other but the house of god hey this is the church of the old the house of god timothy said the house of god's the church of the living god so the, and he said, this is the gate of heaven. In my book, I mentioned that, that things come through the church and flow out into the world, into the community, into the nations, and so forth. We're connected to heaven. The church is connected. And the church is the gate through which heavenly things flow into and flow out of. 
But I'm trying to show you these angels, their main location was planet Earth. Well, you know, just the way I'm thinking, this is the way I think. I said, okay, now I see what you're trying to get over to me, but I want at least two or three other scriptures. I said to the Lord, and I want one of them in an epistle. I want one of them over there in the epistles where the church is. I said that to the Lord, not meanly, but just firmly. He said, "Ah, do you want better? I'll give you three more. I said, oh, okay. So we went to John. He told me to come to John, John 1. Let's look over here together. See, he's proven something to me. Of course, I wasn't trying to trip God up. I was just curious because I thought if I found something that's really true, that the Bible says in the mouth of two or more witnesses... Let everything be established. So I want something over in the New Testament and particularly over in beyond either Acts or beyond. And, and he sure, sure gave me that. Here in John, he says, John one fifty one, Jesus speaking, and he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, John one fifty one. hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So there's the same terminology that Jesus talked about that Jacob talked about several thousand years prior to that. And he gives us another clue here upon the son of man. So these angels are going to be involved with men and women. You know, you women are a man with a womb. That's the, I'm not trying to be, you know, that's just a, we're a race of man. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. So it says here they're going to ascend and descend upon the Son of Man. They're going to be involved with us. Okay, real quickly here, let's go back to Zechariah chapter 1. You still with me? I, I think you're hungry today. I'm... Well, you know, saying things like this, I could say something, but then uh, sometimes you say something and people say a lot of things and they don't back it up. So I want to be sure you know that we've done our homework. And uh, Zechariah chapter 1, the prophet Zechariah. Here's an Old Testament book that's got a lot of visitations from angels with this prophet and so forth. And he reminds me of Brother Hagin in a, in, a, in a very wonderful way. In verse 7 of chapter 1 of Zechariah 1, 7, Upon the four and twentieth day of the eleventh month, which is the month Sebat in the second year of Darius came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet saying, sounds like McKinney, Texas to me. And I saw by night, verse 8, and behold, a man riding upon a red horse, and he stood among the myrtle trees that were in the bottom. Behind him there were red horses speckled and white and said, O my Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show you what these be. And the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are they whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro through the earth. So we see here, here's another, here's another uh, scripture, that these are they whom the Lord has sent. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those of us who are heirs of salvation? So he's, he's having a vision and the angel talking to him says, I'll tell you what these are that you're seeing here. These are they whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro through the earth. See, there's a lot more activity down here than we've previously thought. Maybe we didn't recognize it, didn't understand it, but we're trying. Now, let's go to one last scripture, 1 Corinthians 4. Hallelujah. I know I'm going to actually stop. Praise the Lord. 
But I'm trying to not wear you out, but just give you enough insight. I've been teaching about 40-some minutes here, a little over 40 minutes. I'm watching what I'm doing. Not because, you know, I'm going to minister to some people in a minute by the Holy Ghost. But I want to give you enough scriptures that you know we're not just making stuff up. And I encourage you to get my book and or my tapes out there. We, You know, all these things. In 1995, I taught on angels for 15 consecutive Wednesday nights, an hour each week, and never got taught what I knew back then. That's 16 years ago. So there's a, there's a broad subject, you understand, and we're condensing a lot of material and trying to give it to you in a capsule. But enough material that you, could, you can study this out and meditate on it for yourself. The more you meditate on it and the more you think about it and the more you study it, the more faith you'll have. And we're not talking about being silly, but being legitimate. These, these angels are sent to help us. <laughs> They're sent to help us. I'm so grateful. I, I, know, I know doctor has said this too, and my whole life they protected me. I, I just, man. And being, and being, you know, back when I was doing what I was doing, unfortunately, uh, you know, serving the devil and being a drug addict and all that. I mean, it's just so many times I just, my life was spared. I didn't understand it back then. Then after I got saved, I looked back and I realized, man, God, you, whew. I'm telling you, so many, many things happened. But here we are in 1 Corinthians 4. This was the, you know, and I wasn't being smart aleck with God. I was just saying, because I try to be a good student of what I'm studying. I said, okay, I want one of them over in the epistles that confirms this. And so here it is, 1 Corinthians 4, 9. I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were, appointed to death. For we are, not we're going to be. Not we were. We are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. And, of course, I have a Cambridge Bible, and in the footnote here it says GR, theater, for the word spectacle. Well, I do trust that, but I also looked it up myself in the Greek New Testament. It is the word that means theater. So it's telling us here in this epistle, this is a New Testament epistle, in other words, a letter written to the church, that we are currently present tense. We're a theater, not just to the world that's watching us, not just to men that are watching us, but the angels. So what do you do when you go to your child's play for Christmas? You sit and you look and you, you listen. What do you do when you go to a movie? There's not much on there. It's worthy. But anyway, if you go to one, you look and you listen. What do you do if you go to a Philharmonic or an orchestra or some kind of thing like that? You're looking and you're listening. So what we're doing today, we're here and the angels are looking and listening. They're looking and they're listening. And the main reason they're listening is to find out what we're saying. I know in the last 10 or 15 years, I cannot tell you how many times they've come to me, sometimes in the motel room, sometimes on the front row or whenever before I'm going to speak. And they would say, you know, we're here, we want to minister with you. Hallelujah. And so I'd like you to stand up with me for just a minute, if you would. And uh, let's just lift our hands to heaven a minute and thank him. Father, we thank you for the ministering spirits today. We thank you for the angels that you have sent to help us and minister in our behalf. And we bless you and praise you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah.